0: But his seven decades of ministry, which was preaching, caring for multiple thousands of orphans, building homes for them, establishing 117 schools, and distributing almost 2 million copies of scripture, the famous George Muir Covenant that he would never ask another human being for assistance, that he would never even even hint at any assistance that he might need. Instead, George Mueller coveted to bring his needs only before the Lord, and during the course of his ministry, which ended with his death in 1898, over seven million flowed through the hands of George Mueller into kingdom work in this world. The following are quotes from an interview with George Mueller in the year before he died. The interviewer asks, have you always found the Lord to be faithful to his promise? Mueller responded, always, exclamation point. He has never failed me For nearly 70 years, every need in connection with this work has been supplied. The orphans, from first until now, have numbered 9,500, but they have never wanted a meal. Hundreds of times we commenced the day without a penny, but our Heavenly Father has sent supplies the moment they were actually required. There never was a time When we had no wholesome meal during all these years, I have been able to trust in the living God alone. All has come in answer to believing prayer. The interviewer asks, Have you ever contemplated having a reserve fund? To do so would be an act of the greatest folly. How can I pray if I have reserves? God should say, bring out those reserves. Was York? Oh no! I have never thought of such a thing. Our reserve fund is in heaven. The living God is our sufficiency. The interviewer asks, "Have you ever saved money for yourself?" Save for myself? Never. I dare not save. It would dishonor my loving, gracious, all-bountiful Father. And then the interviewer asks. If George Newman might offer just a piece of advice uh, that he could share with others who are giving their lives to the ministry. And responded: Seek to depend entirely on God for everything. Put yourself and your work into his hands. Undertake it in prayer and faith and never give up. Trust in God, depend only on him, weigh on him believe on him, expect great things from him, and faint not if the blessings carry. Well, we hear stories like that about George Muir, and we have varied responses. Do we not? Uh, The the first response might be to dismiss the story as coming from one who is a different kind of Christian than you and I should be, sort of an ET, an extraterrestrial, (laughs) Christian. Maybe your story annoys us a little bit because it puts before us the standard that we believe that we cannot meet ourselves. Maybe we feel guilty because we're more not more like a George Mueller. Maybe we determine that if we should try to live this way, we would be an utter failure, and so we have fear when we hear the story of George Muir, or we fear that God might fail us if we attempted to live as George Muir lived. Let's do this. Let's not dismiss the story or be annoyed with it or feel guilty or fearful. I think the best response to the life and the story of George Mueller is for you for me this morning, right now, just to begin to trust a little more in the power and the provision of God. That's what we ought to do, to trust in the provision, the power of God. And that's what I want to talk about as we come to our passage this morning. If you take out the Bibles and turn to once again the first Letter of the Corinthians. And if someone might provide a Bible for me as I see that, buddy. Uh, before I and I have not memorized. Can somebody run me a Bible? Is this a true Bible with the SV? All right. <laughs> I'm just about to make sure. All right. Well, whatever you go down to the SV, you're not the one will show you the lights. All right. And you can't replace Corinthians. Chapter 2. When you found your place on the standard point, here read the word of the Living God. This is the word of the Lord. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God in the lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling and my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom but a demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith not, might not rest in the wisdom of men but in the power of God let's pray together Heavenly Father we pray that this moment as we come to your word would be a demonstration of your power Lord by that Presence and power of your spirit, bless the reading, really bless the preaching of your word, so that all of us gathered in this place this morning might trust more in your provision and your power. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. see you You and I are going to trust more in the power and the provision of the Lord. One thing we have to do is overcome an obstacle, and I want to spend our time this morning talking about this obstacle that must be overcome if you and I will truly experience the provision, the power of the Lord, and trust in it. And that obstacle is our self-sufficiency, and you don't need me to tell you that. The obstacle to trusting in the Lord is our own self-sufficiency. We prefer to live under our own power. And you and I prefer to make provision for our, our own needs. We all have these preferences that we all have. They've got to be overpowered if you and I are to trust in the power and the provision of the Lord. Last week, as we looked at these verses, we saw that Paul's ministry among the literary philosophers in the city of Athens, did not really go well for him. His attempts to accommodate and appropriate the gospel to the culture didn't end in great success. Very few people in Athens came to faith. A church was not planted there. As you and I look at our New Testaments, we see that no letter was written to the church in Athens. But immediately after Athens, Paul arrives in Corinth, that as we saw last week, Paul arrived at this great decision for his life. Look again verse 2. Paul said, I, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so last week we put it this way, that Paul had decided to live and to minister in this world in this reality. Christ first, Christ only, and Christ enough. But, like all decisions that we make, decisions have consequences. In verse 2, also there is not, there nothing among you except Christ Jesus, and I was with you in weakness and fear and much turmoil. Weakness and fear and much turmoil. From how Paul describes himself, here, as he remembers these days of ministry in Corinth. It seems that the consequences of trusting in the power of God, the provision of God, it led to a brokenness within him. Weakness, fear, trembling. Weakness, as used here, means a lack of confidence a feeling of inadequacy. It means to feel limited or incapable. That's how Paul felt. Fear, is used here, is a product of an intimidating force. Tremor. It's just that. Culture. Paul didn't lie. What intimidated Paul? What made him fearful? What made him tremble? I don't believe it was the people. They weren't intimidated. Paul, Paul had just spoken to these philosophers and uh, philosophers and Athens, what possibly the smartest people in the smartest city in the entire world. Surely the people of Corinth were an easier crowd. Paul wrote in chapter 1, verse 26. Not many of you were wise according to Roman standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were known to birth. Neither do I believe that Paul the Power of the gospel again, chapter one, verse eighteen. He's already written. For the word of the cross is the power of God. Nor do I believe that what caused fear and intimidation to Paul was that Christ isn't enough. Again, chapter one, verse thirty. He's already written, and you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Come on. Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, that's all anyone could ever be. Do you believe that? Jesus is enough. So, the weakness, the fear, the trembling, what they do here is demonstrate an end to self and trust and dependence on the Lord. No reserves, no service, Christ first, Christ only. Christ and I. Nothing in my hands I great Simply to thy cross I claim naked, come to thee for dress, helpless, come to thee for grace. When you sing that song, you've come to the end of yourself. And that obstacle of self-sufficiency has been overcome. And when that happens, when that obstacle is overcome, look what the Lord does. Look at verse 4. Paul says, my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. The spirit and power. That's what we find when we get to the end of ourselves. The spirit and power. And listen, they are way better than that pot of gold that we all hope is at the end of the rainbow, right? At the end of self, at the end of self, there's the spirit and power of God. Jesus promised. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he told his disciples, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The immensely quotable Puritan, John Trapp, or this. It's the nature of faith to believe God upon his word. It will not be, says sense.
1: It cannot
0: be, says reason. It both can and will be, says faith. For I have a promise. Jesus has promised us. He kept his promise to Paul. Do you know how much? Do you know? How much the Lord loves to keep his promises to us. He loves to keep them. Paul's abandonment of self-sufficiency then became a venue by which God could display and demonstrate his power. You and I have the promise of Christ and the power of Christ. When we are at the end of ourselves, no reserves, no savings, we have the power of the Spirit of God. Is that good news? John Calvin writes this about this power that Paul uses here. He says it's the hand of God stretching itself out to act powerfully through the apostle in every way. Can you picture the hand of God stretching itself out of the life and the ministry of the Apostle Paul? In every way, every situation, power is needed, power is available. Acts chapter 18 describes Paul's time in Corinth. And we need to know that making this decision, Christ first, Christ only, Christ enough, no savings, no reserves, did not equal smooth sailing for the Apostle Paul. Acts he tells us that the Jews opposed him and reviled revived him. You see, the enemy wanted to intimidate Paul to silence him. The enemy used all those insecurities to distort reality before the eyes of Paul so that Paul would feel Debilitated, that he would believe all that is lost, that he would be so filled with anxiety and doubt and uncertainty that he would get up on Corinth and move on to the next city. But to the weak and the fearful and the trembling Paul, the Lord Jesus appeared in a vision. And listen to what Jesus said Do not be afraid. Go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. Go on, I am with you, says the Lord, there's his presence, go on speaking, don't be silent, no one will harm you, there's his power, I have many in this city who are my people, here's the plan of God. And it's through the brokenness of Paul, through the dependence on the Lord, that Paul is going to accomplish the will of God. Jesus has people for himself in Corinth, and they are going to come to faith through Paul's Christ-centered preaching. Paul will grow in his faith and his trust with Paul, like you and I, we need to grow in faith trust. We need to. Paul is not infallible. Paul makes mistakes. Paul is not at this point as he writes this letter, nor will he ever be in this world completely sanctified. That glory is going to have to wait for heaven for all of us. Right? Heaven. Free from sin. Free from fear. Free from Weakness, free from trembling. Does that sound good to you? That sounds good to me. But for now, it's dependence. And it's growing more and more dependent on the Lord. If Corinth was the first place that this reality had shattered Paul's pride and self-sufficiency, if it was in Corinth that Paul first realized Christ first, Christ only cross, Christ enough, no savings, no reserves. And he needed to learn that. Because he has the rest of his second missionary journey to complete. He's got a third missionary journey after that. And after that journey, he's going to be in prison for many years. So he needs to learn now to trust the power and the provision of the Lord we all need to learn that lesson at some point in our life. The point's now for me. I don't know about you. When God teaches that we can never abandon it, the Lord turns us into his disciples. The Lord builds his kingdom. The Lord accomplishes his purposes through people who get over themselves and who trust in his power and provision. Martin Luther said well, that most famous of all his hymns, did we in our own strength abide? Our striving, striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Let's ask who that might be. Christ Jesus is he, would settle up his name, from age to age the same, and he, he must win the battle. Our weakness cannot prevent the will of God and our strength cannot bring about. Our weakness cannot prevent cannot thwart the will of God and neither can our strength bring it about. In what ways are you too dependent on yourself? One of those things in your life that you don't even bother to bring before the Lord because you feel like you have them covered? And what would be the reasons that you believe that you have them covered? And what does your independence communicate that you believe about Jesus' power and his promise of the Spirit? And what things do you not face because you feel weak intimidated? Does it make you afraid? Let's get over ourselves. No savings, no reserves. We have the promise of Christ. We have His spear. We have his power. Let's begin to trust in the power and provision of the Lord. I want to finish with these verses from second Corinthians, second Corinthians chapter four. Paul writes, for we, he and his team, we, what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. It's his power, not our power. Can you imagine surpassing power in jars of clay? They're so fragile. They crack so easily. They get so easily broken. In scripture, a clay jar is a metaphor for human weakness. Weakness is not something to get over. Listen, your weakness is not something to get over. It's something to embrace. If it drives us to the Lord, you will never be stronger in your life than when you are with the Lord, and you will never be weaker in your life than when you are away from him. Our weakness can be a blessing, but is this not the reason. Christianity has always been and continues to be despised, especially among those who value strength and independence. They don't want to hear a message of weakness and of fear and of trembling and dependence. But let me tell you this, for them it's true and for you it's true. That strength, that independence, let me tell you, it is only an illusion. It is only an illusion. A flaw can wipe it out in a second. A disease could bring it to an end in a moment. No matter how strong, no matter how independent we believe ourselves to be, we are so small in this universe. We are so small in this universe and so vulnerable aren't in control. So far better for us to be dependent on the one who created the universe, don't you think? To the one who is outside of it, to the one who assures us that he loves us and he cares for us because he sent Jesus to us. The one who lights up our world and shows us his glory through Jesus. The one who promises his power. We can depend on it. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Let's do it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, it's true. You demonstrated your power and your provision throughout the history of all creation. At all times and all places, you have provided for your people. You have given them your power. Now as we fall in line and take our place, in this world that you have created. Lord, we ask that you would make us people who love it, that we can depend on you because you are our powerful provider. Help us to trust in you for all things we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.